Hi everyone, I wanted to talk about um, the concept of property uh, eigentum in Hegel's philosophy of right. But that's a lot of detailed work and I'm not sure that everyone will be interested in that. So today I'm going to make a, a brief video about the doctrine of property in Hegel's encyclopedia just to speed things up a little bit. And then we're going to speak about um, a couple of paragraphs that uh, really illustrate what Hegel is trying to say in the philosophy of right. So I'm going to change the strategy a little bit. Um, I hope you will join me in all of this. We have to go to the passage on abstract right in order to get to the, well, at least to me, the more interesting passages about morality and uh, social morality. Um, but I want to speed up things a little bit, as I just said, and uh, the one way to do that is to look at the encyclopedia instead of following all the different paragraphs with all the details of Hegel's discussion with uh, the theory of law um, of his own era. So uh, let's dive into it. We're going to look at the passages of the encyclopedia now dealing with property. First of all, in the next video, we're going to talk about contract and injustice and so in two videos i'm trying to make my way through the main um, uh, chapters uh, dealing with abstract right and then we're going to study just a few selected passages um, from the uh, grundlinien der philosophie des rechts that is the um, basic outline of the philosophy of right that we have been studying so far So we need to go to these paragraphs, paragraph 488 up to and including 492 to get our first good grasp of the whole of uh, Hegel's doctrine of property and that we can use as a foundation for our discussion of a selected few of the passages of the philosophy of right that deal extensively with this subject. First of all, let's look at paragraph 488. Mind in the immediacy of its self-secured liberty is an individual, but one thus knows its individuality as an absolutely free will. Let's stop there for a moment. Mind, of course, I already told you I prefer the word spirit. Mind, Geist, um, now it has an individual existence, it has an immediate self-awareness of being free. And it knows its individuality not as relatively free, it doesn't simply um, uh, direct itself toward external objects without any self-consciousness about it. It knows itself to be absolutely free. There is nothing outside of myself that determines my liberty um, in, in, in this fashion. I can decide anything. I can decide to say no to anything. Um, now, this is a person. This individual is a person. Personality is a very important concept in Hegel's philosophy. We dealt with that before. In whom the inward sense of this freedom, as in itself still abstract and empty, has its particularity and fulfillment not yet on its own part, but on an external thing. So my freedom is directed toward external things and not to institutions, not to other people, not to a goal that I wish to achieve, 
but simply something in the external world, world that I desire or want to have. This thing, as something devoid of will, has no rights against the subjectivity of intelligence and volition. So we're talking about inanimate objects or even animals can be um, uh, possession uh, in this sense. Um, the thing has no rights. I have a right to that thing. And is by that subjectivity made adjectival to it, the external sphere of its liberty, possession. So it's something from the outside that now characterizes me when I take it into my possession. It becomes part of my personal sphere of existence. And that is exactly what possession means. Besitz and possession is two-thirds of the law, right? So it means if you are possessing something, if you have something under your control, if something is marked by you as belonging to you, then the suggestion is that you're probably also the owner, the rightful possessor, the rightful owner of that particular object. 489. By the judgment of possession, um, das Urteil des Besitzes, so there is something that now is established, that is what judgment I think means here, by being in possession of something, something is established, at first in the outward appropriation, I take something into my possession, I take something into the sphere of my control, the thing acquires the predicate of mine. It is mine. But this predicate, on its own account, merely practical, has here the signification that I import my personal will into the thing. So I put my will into something by making it mine. Now my personal will is invested in something. It's um, made real within the world. As so characterized possession is property besitz becomes eigentum which as possession is a means so um, the fact that i own something have it in my sphere of control is merely a means but the goal of that is that i exist as a person and not just as an individual free will or as a, uh, a developed animal um, in this manner, I can express my personality and thereby bring my personality into uh, reality. It becomes part of existence. In his property, the person is brought into union with himself. Now I have something outside of myself through which I return unto myself. I recognize myself in the property that I own. This is me. This is mine. This is my will realized in the outside world. But the thing is an abstractly external thing, and the I in it is abstractly external. After all, the only thing that we're discussing here is the fact that I, it doesn't matter who I am, have something, it doesn't matter what it is, as my property. So what does it really express about myself? Of course, the thing has a concrete nature, and I am a concrete nature, but that is not expressed in the fact of possession. It's not expressed in the fact of possession. It's merely expressed in, let's say, the um, 
qualities of the property or um, the qualities of my personality. But my personality as such, with all its inner determinations, and the qualities of the property with all its determinations are not expressed in the relationship that we call property as such. Because I can own a cup of coffee, and that is the same kind of possession as uh, when I own a horse or a house. Of course, houses and horses are different, but that is not expressed in the fact and the implications of my possession. Possession remains a very abstract term. The concrete return of me and to me and the externality is that I, the infinite self-relation, and that is the absolute personality, am as a person the repulsion of me from myself and have the existence of my personality and the being of other persons in my relation to them and in my recognition by them, which is thus mutual. So the other aspect of property is that because this is mine, others are excluded from it. So every property implies a relationship to others in a negative sense. They do not own the thing that I own. They have no right to um, uh, handle the property that I own. Um, they have to recognize the fact that this is mine and not theirs. And of course that is mutual. The other person also has property which I have to recognize and they, in the same manner as they have to recognize my property. The thing is thereby the mean by which the extremes meet in one. So other persons and me are, in terms of abstract right, connected to the mean of property. That is the first basic and negative way that we have intersubjectivity or we have a glimpse of a society in this. Other persons are implied in the fact of my property, not in my possession, but in the fact of my property, because that is something that can only exist through this mechanism of mutual recognition. These extremes are the persons who, in the knowledge of their identity as free, are simultaneously mutually independent. So I'm independent of someone else, someone else is completely free, and yet in the object in which I express my freedom, in which I recognize myself as a free person, others are included, or excluded rather, and so uh, even though I'm independent of others in my freedom, that is why my freedom is called absolute, as soon as I express my freedom in the real world by having possessions, I have to include others. I have to presuppose the existence of others uh, because only when they recognize my um, property am I able to have um, this property as, a, uh, uh, as an expression of my own freedom. And that is um, quite astonishing, rather. Um, we are not competitors um, in the fact of property because we need to be mutual, uh, mutually recognizing each other as property owners. On the other hand, the fact that I express myself and my free will in this particular object that now is mine um, excludes these others. So there is an inclusion-exclusion going on. It's 
an inclusion because I need the recognition of others. It's an exclusion because this recognition entails um, the um, uh, opposition between myself as the owner of this thing and the others who have to recognize it and therefore uh, cannot exercise their freedom with regard to that object. For them, my will has its definite recognizable existence in the thing by the immediate bodily act of taking possession. So they can see that I have this object because I take possession of it. Or by the formation of the thing, I change it, I work on it, I sculpt it. Or it may be by mere designation of it. I just put a sticker on it with my name so everyone knows that I have bought this and that that is mine. And of course all of that is dependent upon the recognition by others. So mutually independent and yet because of the need for recognition there is an inclusion, there is some kind of social relation going on. The casual aspect of property is that I place my will in this thing and I select that, I choose that from within my own self. So far my will is arbitrary. I can just as well put it in as not, just as well withdraw it as not. That was a characteristic of freedom that we discussed when we talked about the introduction to the philosophy of right. The freedom to engage and to be uh, uh, in, uh, to become uh, uh, in possession of something um, implies also the freedom to not do the same and to withdraw from it and to uh, pick another object as my, uh, my property. But so far as my will lies in a thing, so during all of the time that I uh, still want it and want to have it, or it's still marked by me, or it's formed by me, or designated by me as something that I own, so far as my will lies in a thing, it's only I who can withdraw it. So someone else cannot take it away from me. Um, that is the highest stage of this recognition. I am the only one who can give it away. That is one of the implications of having property. To have a property means that you are the only one who can give it up, who can make it into something that either belongs to someone else or doesn't belong to anyone at all. It's only with my will that a thing can pass to another whose property is it similarly becomes only with his will. And that leads to the notion of contract. So now we have two wills acting in combination, in unison with each other. With, with each other. Um, in the simple fact that I can um, change uh, ownership, I can uh, transfer ownership of my property to someone else, I can give someone the cup of coffee that I own, I can give someone the house that I own. And the simple fact that property therefore is transferable, um, we see that this uh, relationship that is implied in all property um, and is basically negative and exclus exclusive uh, can also be really inclusive and we can have this abstract right relationship uh, within the contract where two wills Combine The one is uh, giving away his property and the other one is receiving it and accepting it as his property. That is the basic form of contract. It's trade. 
It's trade without any means in between. I can, I can give you A and you give me B in return is the next step. But here it's simply, I can give you uh, my object A so that you become the owner of A. So we have found very, very uh, quickly by examining the concept of property uh, that there is a social realm behind it in recognition and in the fact that um, um, I can pass my object on to someone uh, else, my property, I can transfer my property to someone else. And there you have for the first time uh, a cooperation of the free will with another free will. Now this is the basic idea, that is how the concept of property leads to the concept of contract. In the philosophy of right, there is much more to say about that because Hegel wants to deal with uh, many details of um, the doctrine of property that deals with the way something can be transferred to someone else. But unless you're a student of law, this might not fully um, interest you. So we'll go through that uh, quite quickly. But this is basically Hegel's doctrine of property as it is expressed in the encyclopedia. Thanks for listening, for listening and until the next time.